however you are listening, I want to welcome you back. My name is Grayson Mann. This is the Man with the Plan podcast, episode 23. Guys, if you haven't checked it out already this morning, our episode 22 dropped. And today we have a special guest. Lynn Vietri is the Georgia superfan. If you're thinking about someone who loves Georgia football and just football in general, this is the person to talk to. She graduated from UGA School of Pharmacy in 1994, and despite living in a state dominated by Gamecock fans and Tiger fans, she remains a South Carolina Bulldog. Welcome to the podcast. Man, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, I feel like when we originally got this interview going, it was because two episodes ago, I kind of came after your team a little bit. So why don't we just get started with that? I expressed a little bit of frustration in Georgia football saying that they really weren't living up to what the name and the brand of Georgia really is. Was that fair of me? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I I think that's a fair argument up until when Kirby arrived on the scene. Um, We are, the the 15 years prior to that under Mark Richt, we absolutely did not perform up to what I think anybody would expect the standard to be. Mark Rick was a great coach. He had great recruiting classes, but it never just was all put together. Either there was a defensive coach that wasn't quite right or uh, fighting amongst players or people getting suspended. It just never came together under Mark Rick, even though everybody loved him. He was, he's a great guy, great coach. Um, but I think, generally speaking, that people that are diehard Georgia fans are very happy with Kirby Smart. Um, even he's going into his sixth year. So, you know, he hasn't been a head coach very long. He's a young guy. Um, I, I think, I think we're pretty much all on the same page that the future is bright for Georgia. And we're, at least we are talking, you know, we are relevant, um, these years that he's been here other than his first year 2016. I mean, up until the SEC championship game, we have been in the talk, for the, those final four spots. Um, so just being relevant, being in the talk, has made Georgia fans, I think, very, very happy. I think that the the one year, that, the only year that I have feel like Georgia wasn't in the discussion to be in the top four was the year that LSU kind of trounced on everyone. So you really yes. can't flag them for that. And that year where they had that close game against Alabama in the SEC Championship where Jalen Hurts literally came out of nowhere. I don't think anyone could have expected, especially when y'all shut down literally everything Jalen Hurts comes in puts on a show and there was still an argument to be made that Georgia still had a spot at number four so I guess the relevancy has always been there but the national championship result and I guess in an, a conference dominated by Nick Saban it's national championship or bust so it's really hard to have that high of expectations and still feel satisfied after just a long and grueling season especially in that conference well absolutely and like you said I mean he- Nick Saban is, is in the middle of it. So until we can find a way to beat Nick Saban, um, I, you know, it, it's going to be a rough road. But if you think about where all these other coaches who are winning uh, on a regular basis, you know, Nick Saban, it took him 10 years to get a, a national title. Uh, it took Dabo eight years to get a national title. Steve Spurrier, it took him 10 years. So I, I don't think, I think your previous podcast, you might have mentioned like an urgency about, you right. know, there's a sense of, does Kirby not have a sense of urgency? I think Kirby Smart wants to win more than anybody, anywhere. Um, I, I think that, that the urgency is apparent with all the other things that he's doing for the program. Of 
course, we have not won the national title, but I know it's coming. I know it's coming. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and patience is not a virtue, but I will tell you right now that um, I think Georgia fans, as long as we're in the talk, I think I think we're fine. You know, we're. I mean, everybody wants everything right now. That's the society that we live in. Um, but we have to give it. We have to give them a little bit of time. Do you feel that talk with Mark Rick, kind of the team that could, they had it all together, but when the chips really came down, it just wasn't really there. Do you think that's kind of carried over unfairly onto Kirby Smart, just that mantra and that reputation? To the uneducated fan, absolutely, yes. Um, if you are not a follower of Georgia football, then you would say, oh, that's just the same thing. They have about the same record. They have, you know, they both have SEC East championships and an SEC title by now. But if you really if you really know the facts about Georgia football and where we are today versus where we are under Mark Rick, you would you would see that, that it's a it's a world of difference. Um, but a lot of people, if you're not if you don't really if you're not in the mix, you probably just see it as that. Yes, it's, it's spilled over, and we have the same problems we did under Mark Rick. But that just simply is not right. Hmm. All right. So I think, and also in my take, my main argument was that Georgia really needed that guy, that one player. That could really just put the the mantra, the all, like, I need to be all in on this. For Clemson, I said that Deshaun Watson was that guy that literally put the team on his back, carried that message that Clemson was going to be all in no matter what, and they were able to take them to two national titles and really put Clemson where they are today. You could argue it was Taj Boyd, but a lot of people see Deshaun Watson. He got the results. Do you think Georgia is lacking that, that guy that just you can always count on him, like a Deshaun Watson, maybe a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence? What are your thoughts on that? Well, in 2017, you know, Jake Fromm beat out an injured Jacob Eason, a five-star quarterback. Um, Jacob Eason was going to be the guy. Um, and Jake Fromm comes in. He wins the rest of the games. He's a freshman, takes us all the way to the title. I think he did, in a sense, put Georgia on his back. Now, as a leadership role, as a freshman, that's pretty difficult but what they did is they made sure that whatever Jake Fromm was doing the positions that they were putting him in were winning positions winning combinations of plays um so do I think that we haven't had that guy no I don't think that's the case at all um you know we were one play of of blown coverage away from winning a national title with a true freshman quarterback Jake Fromm so I can't really say I agree with you on that um I think that that we have recruited a lot of, you know, five-star quarterbacks in the last couple of years. We've got several, you know, there right now. Um, the, the worst thing, you had asked if it was maybe a little bit of like a luck issue, and yes. Um, COVID year, we had Jamie Newman transferring in. He was the guy. He was right. going to be the guy. Um, and then at the last minute, he decides, you know what, I'm not going to be the guy because I'm not going to play football this year. And so... Now you're in a struggle because you've got a true freshman that has only been there for a couple of months. You've got a walk-on, and, you know, the walk-on t- takes us all the way, you know, to to almost, you know, we're beating Alabama at halftime before he got injured. So I can't say we don't haven't had that guy. Um, I'll just say we haven't had the, the right pieces all together at the right time is for the quarterback situation. But I think I think we're heading in a good direction now. So you earlier you mentioned just Kirby Smart, like you feel like he's doing all the right things. In his six years as a Georgia football head coach, what has been his single greatest achievement in your eyes? Well, there's been two. There's the, there's the recruiting, taking the recruiting to a, a new level. 
Um, the biggest difference between him and Mark Rick, Mark Rick had a lot of great recruiting classes. He was usually in the top four, five, six, seven, eight every year. I think there's only one year he was out of the top ten. Um, but but what Kirby Smart has been able to do is he's been able to really recruit strongly in the state of Georgia. Um, and there's been years where that's been a little bit haphazard prior to, to him coming. Um, and then the second thing is is uh, money, fundraising, money, facilities. Uh, we were so, so lacking. We were at the bottom, you know, bottom four of the SEC and facilities before Kirby Smart got here. I think that's a really underrated point that you bring up with facilities. So I feel like that's very like, if you can keep up with your weight room, your school, your program, I feel like that's very attractive for a recruit that's really trying to decide between schools like who cares the most about my success. And that is often reflected in how you take care of your own program. Absolutely. It's absolutely the truth. And um, prior to Kirby Smart being here, I I don't think Mark Richt was um, capable or or couldn't or had a lot of roadblocks in getting some of those things accomplished. And uh, I think they've pretty much paved the way for Kirby. If, If he wants it and can can get the money for it it's going to get done and it's showing remember we've got buildings going up we've got the new um in in, in-house practice center which we never had until finally he got there i mean it had been started but new weight room you know there's just a lot of things that as a if you're a recruiter you have to have a baseline type of facility nowadays in sports because everybody else has it and better than you (laughs) um (laughs) how do we so I feel like, in tw- especially you mentioned Jake from fresh- SEC Freshman of the Year, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes, he was. Like, taking Georgia by storm, no one was like, wow, this kid's going to be in the NFL in a couple of years. And then Justin Fields, five-star quarterback, basically the 1B to Trevor Lawrence, who would go to Clemson. How do you view how that played out? Like, are you happy with the way the results paved out? Because eventually Justin Fields was a Heisman Trophy finalist at Ohio State. Do you feel that Jake Fromm should have kept that job, or do you think Georgia should have tried to stick it out with Justin Fields? Well, I think the biggest problem in the whole situation was that they tried to use Justin Fields in some very ridiculous roles um, during his time when Jake Fromm was QB1. Um, I don't. I personally don't like quarterback competitions. I think that come summertime, you need to have a starting quarterback because that is your leader going forward. The mistake Kirby made the year that Justin Fields and Jake Fromm were both together in 2018 is he, week to week, he would just be, we're always in competition. We're always competing. But So Jake Fromm is looking over his shoulder the whole time, which I understand competition is important, but they're inserting Justin Fields into these ridiculous roles and, and just plays that, that almost looks like a desperation, like we got to get this kid in the game. But the, the reality is, is that Justin Fields could not win the starting job away from Jake Brown. I feel like that what Clemson was able to do in that national championship year with where it was Kelly Bryant versus Trevor Lawrence, they kind of took the same approach. There's a competition every single week. And it starts to build problems like who's going to be able to build the chemistry with the receivers, all the timing and all that stuff. Eventually, Clemson made the right choice because Trevor Lawrence was clearly the better product than Kelly Bryant. But Jake Fromm was still be was still able to win games, put up good numbers. So maybe it was just a case of wrong place, wrong time. It's- I think the timing was just really, really bad. And I, I do agree with you that when you're dealing with a quarterback competition, you know, you also have a locker room that is split. 
you can't possibly tell me that there aren't guys that want this one and other team players that want this one. It's just overall just not a great situation. And I think that's part of the learning process for, for coaches. You know, Kirby Smart, he's got these two great guys. How is he going to manage it? Probably mismanaged in my opinion. So we're going to go back to recruiting, especially now with like recruiting is such a big part of college football. If you don't get the right guys, sometimes in a couple years, it's going to come back to bite you. So in a just a powerhouse in the Southeast, you've got a Florida, Georgia, Clemson, North Carolina is emerging with Mac Brown, Texas A&M with Jimbo Fisher is going to start to put their team on the map. And then, of course, you got Alabama with Nick Saban. How does Georgia continue to compete with these powerhouse conferences in getting the best high school players in the nation? Well, Georgia has a lot going for them. Um, the one reason I think that Alabama and Clemson does beat Georgia out for some of the elite recruits is because they can show them that trophy in the case. Um, there is something to be said for having somebody that has done it and been there before. And I think recruits love the fact that they can waltz into Alabama or Clemson and they have the trophy. And, you know, there are people coaching there that, that have, that have national titles recently, not a million years ago. I think there's a lot to be said for that. But as far as Georgia recruiting, um, I don't know if any of your listeners have been to Athens, Georgia, but it's pretty hard to beat. Uh, it's got everything, I think, a, a college kid, a, a sports, an athlete. I think it just about has everything you could possibly want. Um, Kirby Smart is a hometown guy. Obviously, he's a Georgia alum, played, played for us. His dad is a high school football coach in the state of Georgia. Um, it's pretty it, – it, so the, the road in, if, you, if you're a Georgia kid and you want your family to come visit you, uh, you know, be able to see you play, I don't know what there would be about Athens, Georgia, that you wouldn't like other than we do not have that recent trophy. Yeah, I feel like especially they have that – it's kind of like a step up that Georgia has to compete with because Alabama and Clemson can just show them the Correct. rings, show them the results. But – Georgia's not necessarily far behind. They're no Kansas of football. They're no 3-9 and nine school every year. They got a lot to show for it, and they also have the NFL players to show for it, especially if you're something like a running back. Georgia feels to me like the powerhouse for NFL running backs. Would you say that's a fair assessment of Georgia, or what is your definition of Georgia football? What do you see that people often miss? I do agree. I, it, for me, it's RBU. It, it always has been. There's been years that have been up and down. But starting with Herschel Walker, um, I think I, when I think of Georgia football, before I even was going to even look at Georgia for, as a place to attend college, that's what I always thought of. You know, RBU, running backs, power power running game. Um, you know, but the game is changing. I don't I don't think that you can necessarily go in with a with a with a power running game and 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 run the ball down down opposing teams' throats anymore. It doesn't work that way. Um, the offensive changing into these, you know, the, the throwing, the catching, the scheming, the so running backs are always going to be important. We've had some great ones. We've had some fun ones to watch. And so that is what I think of when I think of Georgia football. Especially a team that I've noticed, like, especially when Alabama got Tua, they went from a team that was basically going to win with their defense. The offense just kind of had to trudge along and just get the points that they could but they were going to win with their defense, and now they can put up like 60 points a game. And it's a complete reversal from what I saw in 2016 where you were always like, all right, if we can just maybe beat out Alabama's defense, score like 21 points, I think we got this. But now it's like we got to win in a shootout. 
the game has completely changed. Especially in like Gotta the NFL. Win a shootout, the for best sure. Teams. It's, that's the only way you can do it these days because no matter how good your defense is, how skilled your defensive backs are, there are just some players out there now that have all of those abilities as pass catchers and they make these crazy, crazy catches and there's nothing defenses can really do. It's, it's quite it's quite the reversal on what we've seen in football, especially in like the NFL. The best teams, the two best teams in the in the Super Bowl this year, the Buccaneers and the Chiefs, had high flying offenses. They throw, throw, throw. Especially Mahomes, who's just making YouTube videos off of his like baseball like throws. It's just a different game now. Absolutely, and I think that I think Kirby Smart is is understands that and is moving us in a direction um, after you know, trying, trying to keep what he's been doing. Cause he's a defensive guy, defense guys. They like defense. They want to win with the defense. But I, right now where we're at, I don't think that's a possibility. I think you've got to be able to, um, be able to throw the ball down, down the field right away. So out of all the Georgia teams that you've seen, that you've watched, who was your favorite team to watch? And who was your favorite player that every time you were watching Georgia football, it was just Whenever that dude touched the ball, you were like, oh, my, this is the best player I've ever seen play for Georgia. Well, I'll tell you, the, the 2017 team, just because it's recent and your, your listeners probably would be able to identify with it, was my favorite team as of recently. Um, they called it Kirby Smart's Revenge Tour because in 2016, his first year, we lost some really stupid games we shouldn't have lost. 2017, we turned it around. We go up to Notre Dame. We beat them. Um, we beat Tennessee 41 to nothing in Knoxville. Worst loss they had suffered for, I think, over 100 years. Um, and, and so that was a really, really fun season. Um, and the greats, I, I love Nick Chubb. I love his work ethic. I think he's a great running back. I love what he did at Georgia. I love that he's just, just quiet, mannered, just get to work, do your job and suffered a terrible injury while he was at Georgia and made his way back. So I love a storyline like that. But my favorite player that I have seen play in person is actually A.J. Green. And as you know, Grayson, he's from our, you know, he's from our town. And I would go to high school football games and watch him. And then the very first game he played at, at Georgia, we were, you know, my whole family was at because we couldn't wait to see him. And the very first play that he was involved in he caught the ball right in front of us in the end zone and it was just it was amazing it was so much fun to see this kid from our hometown you know get get to UGA and and you know get a pass right in front of us it was awesome especially in that 2017 team we had not only Nick Chubb but Sony Michelle and being a Patriots fan New England thanks you for giving us David Andrews and Sony Michelle which really <laughs> helped us win that Super Bowl against the Rams he was absolutely insane and he's going to be a really key piece moving forward for a while. Georgia running backs are just different. So let's get into some a last couple questions. I'm going to try to see if we can get some fun out of them. What is your early prediction for Clemson versus Georgia? They're going to kick off in Charlotte in 2021. Hopefully we can get a little bit of a full stadium going back to normalcy. Gosh. That would be a game to go to. Should be one of the games of the year. What is your early prediction? Early predictions are tough. Got a long way to go. We've already got two guys injured um one out for the year most likely our other um star receiver uh has an injury to his knee he's out until summer a lot of that is going to have a lot to do with this game i believe um 
it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a barn burner. I honestly do. I'm. I, I'm gonna go Georgia pulling away at the end, but it's not gonna be easy. It's gonna be the the two start the premier quarterbacks, JT Daniels and DJ Uyunglele. It's gonna be the guy that takes over for Trevor Lawrence. What does Clemson do in there? I guess people are labeling it a revenge tour. I don't necessarily agree with that because making the playoffs is a pretty good achievement on its own. How does Clemson identify after losing key players like Travis Etienne and Trevor Lawrence? And then Georgia, they're always going to be a tough team, but Georgia-Clemson always seems to be a good game no matter where you're at. This, the fact of the matter is, is that Clemson and, and Georgia have a lot in common outside of football. You know, they have um, beautiful college towns. They're only, well, I guess, maybe 80 miles from each other. Mm-hmm. Um Lots of lots of family overlap, lots of player overlap. Um, it, that that's what makes that rivalry a lot of fun, and we need to play it every year. I say let's let's get it on the schedule every <laughs> Absolutely. single year, home and home, and that is it. That would be an ama- It would be good for Clemson. It would be good for Georgia, and it would be great for the fans. Oh yeah. Um, I think I think that is a must. I would love to see that happen. Uh, but you, you, you know, Clemson has a lot to, to replace. Georgia has a lot to replace. Um, it's going to be a great game. I can't wait. I just pray, pray, pray that we can get people in that stadium in North Carolina because I don't know how things are looking there, but I, I want to be there so bad. I think that's definitely one that I'm looking at. If there's an option, if there's a possibility, I want to be there for that kickoff game. It's just one, it feels like one of those games you're going to, you're going to remember for a long time. So it's going to be really special. So let's wrap up with this question. This is going to be, just take me through your daily routine during game day, and how did your family react with the behavior when, let's say, Georgia's not just doing so well? well how did, What's the daily routine or weekly routine on Saturdays for game day? Well, for game day, if we are in Athens, which a lot of times we are, um, my family can handle me. It's okay, <laughs> because we've got the long day of, like, tailgating, hanging out with friends, getting to the game. I feel a lot better being at the game if it's a tough one and it's a loss than I do being at home. For some reason, I feel like I'm a little bit more in control of the situation in the stadium with all the friends because everybody's kind of with you. Right, you're there. Um, you can, so like... I, I feel like that is – I would much rather be suffering a loss sitting in Athens. Now, home – Home is not good. It's not good, Grayson. It's not good. Um, my family will usually at my parents and some friends will come over, um, but I only let. There's only a select few. Like I don't want somebody that isn't a football fan here because I have no interest in, in having to entertain or talk to anybody else. <laughs> so I I want to be in my house, couple of people, TV on. Um, Things are going, well, the whole time it's yelling, and that's why I need to be in the stadium because I'm yelling the whole time. So it's better for me to be there yelling because nobody can really hear me. Right. Here, it's about, it's just about, like, my daughter doesn't come. She, she goes upstairs. She doesn't even want to be down here with me. The cat is running through the house freaking out because I'm yelling and screaming. It can get, it can get bad. And so, yes, I need to be in person in the stadium. That's where I enjoy football the most. Because here is not not necessarily the best. <laughs> that that sounds definitely like the definition of a super fan. Just no time to explain anything. It's Georgia football. Yeah. Do not come to my house on a Saturday in the fall. I don't even care if Georgia's not playing. Just I don't want anybody trying to talk to me about junk. I just want to sit in front of the TV and watch football. It's so just a sacred that's, time. That's my story. 
it is truly a sacred time. Well, that is all we have for today. I just want to thank everyone. If you stayed along this entire way, I hope you, you enjoyed. I guarantee it that you will. This was a fantastic college football talk with Georgia superfan Lynn Vietri. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap things up? No, I just appreciate you asking me on. I love your podcast, trying to get the word out there for it. I think you're doing a great job, and I uh, can't wait, cannot wait till September. <laughs> oh, I think everyone is in agreement so that we cannot wait for football to come back. Well, this was the Man with a Plan podcast, episode 23. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Help us support the podcast by leaving us a five-star review, subscribing, or just giving us a follow. Thank you as always, have a fantastic day, and take care. <laughs>